Welcome to Forever White Belt. I'm your host, Adolfo Ferranda. In this episode, I have the pleasure of meeting Elaine Biersdorfer. Elaine is a Gracie Barra, Pelham, Alabama blue belt under judo and jiu-jitsu black belt, Professor Khalifa Oliveira. Elaine is my new hero and inspiration. You may remember Elaine from winning the world over at the Pan American Games with her Masters 7 division highlights. On the surface, you may make the mistake of only seeing a silver-haired grandmother of seven who just happens to be 72 years young. But underneath the veneer is an incredibly fierce, driven, relentless BJJ practitioner and competitor. There are so many things to love about Elaine. One of the virtues she shares with us is a raw sense of vulnerability we can all empathize with. For example, during one point in the show, she details a tournament match she lost that she studied and trained so very hard for, and admits she did not execute what she trained. Her voice shakes with the deep disappointment that embodies the moment, and it nearly pulled my heart out of my chest. At another point, Elaine says she's pursuing a sport that she isn't good at, but in the end, aren't we all? She just has the courage to say it. Don't get the wrong impression. She loves Brazilian jiu-jitsu and says she would never quit. So when you wake up and think about skipping class, just remember Elaine is showing up. Some housekeeping notes. Elaine lives in rural Calera, Alabama, so her internet connection is not the best. Also, you can now support the show by becoming a monthly patron by hitting the support button on our website at anchor.fm forward slash forever white belt. You can also send us a message by clicking the message button on that same page. We also now have a merchandise store at teespring.com forward slash forever dash white dash belt. This is where you can buy forever white belt shirts, hats, coffee mugs, stickers, all kinds of stuff. And with that, I give you Elaine Beerstorfer. Welcome to Forever White Belt. I am your host, Adolfo Ferranda, with a very special guest, and you are? I'm Elaine Byers-Dorfer. I'm Jiu-Jitsu Grandma. Jiu-Jitsu Grandma. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time, Elaine. I really appreciate you being here. Happy to do it. Elaine, we got to talk about so many things here that I have questions about, one of which you're my second guest from Alabama. Can you speak about the town? Is it pronounced Calara? Calera. Calera. What's it like in Calera? It's a small town south of Birmingham. I live in the rural area of Clara, and Clara is not very big. It may have four lights in the main town. <laughs> wow. And I'm out of town. That sounds like wonderful living, though. It is. It really is. Elaine, you are a jiu-jitsu practitioner, a blue belt, I understand. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And can you talk about where you trained? It's at Gracie Barra, Alabama, correct? Right. Gracie Barra, Alabama. It's in Pelham, Alabama, about 30 minutes from my house. So you're commuting to the gym. How often are you, are you commuting there? At the moment, I'm going at, at two, two nights a week. I, I would rather go a little more, but I've had some back issues, so I'm, I've slowed down a little bit. Do you mind letting us know how, how young you are? I'm 72. 72 years young. All right. I'm 50 years old, so I feel like I'm the, one of the senior, quote-unquote, practitioners at my academy as well here in California. And your professor is? Professor Khalifa Oliveira. And he promoted you to Blue Belt, correct? And that was, what, two, how many years ago? I've had a Blue Belt a, a little over a year. What does jiu-jitsu mean to you? Not quite sure how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> and why jiu-jitsu? Well, now that, that I can't answer. Okay. I wasn't even looking for jiu-jitsu. I was looking for judo. Ah. And Professor <laughs> Oliveira teaches judo and jiu-jitsu. He's a black belt in both. So I called the gym when I was 69 and said, do you take old people? And the lady said, how old? I said, 69. So she asked Professor and he said I could come. 
So I started the judo class. And wow. about a month or so into judo, he said, why don't you try jujitsu? It's on the next mat. So I said, okay. So I did judo and jujitsu for a few months. And then I, I started mostly do jujitsu now. Wow. So why judo? Why was that the first inclination? I took a six-week judo class when I was 21, when my husband was in graduate school in South Alabama. But when I got back to Birmingham, nobody was teaching it. Mm. So I just let it go until I was 69 and found out that the gym was teaching it in Pelham. Wow. You obviously really enjoyed it at 21. I did. I only had six classes. Amazing, because judo is pretty high impact. It's a lot of throws and that kind of thing, too, to revisit it. Wow. So when you started practicing jujitsu, tell me about like, what was day one for you? What was that like? Really, they paired me with a really nice lady who was very helpful. And I really liked that physical wrestling on the floor. That was really fun for me. Um, So I got into it very quick. I really, it was great for me, really fun. So uh, both of those are interesting for me. I like the throws in judo. I like the wrestling in jujitsu. You grew up with two brothers. Kids will be kids, right? And they'll be physical at times, too. So this was a common place for you when you were a little kid, correct? Well, my brothers were five and seven years older than me. Oh, wow. And they throw me around a lot. I was a little (laughs) girl. (laughs) And so I got banged around a lot, but I liked it. I got used to it. And I liked playing football with the boys in the, you know, in the community and I didn't like girly things. I like oh. climbing trees and playing in the dirt. And you've worked on a, a farm, correct? Yeah. You've always been rather physical. That's true. I haven't done any other sports, but I, I have a horse. I ride my horse. We work mm. on the farm, that sort of thing. What I see oftentimes the commonality in jujitsu practitioners is they're not typically like team sports type of individuals. That, you know? That's true. And you seem to follow that same sort of pattern, correct? Exactly. I did. Mm. I'm curious about your training. How are you staying in shape? How are you mitigating injury as much as you can? And you already told us you're going two days a week. So how do you handle that? Before COVID started, I was going three to four hours a week. But afterward, I've, I've had to back up just a little bit for some injuries. During the lockdown, I got at the farm. I tend to sort of fight through the injuries. Unless wow. they're horrible, I go to class anyway. And wow. if, if they're really bad and I can't roll, then I just go and watch. Smart. So that I don't miss what they're teaching. So then you're just sort of listening. Well, I don't know if you're so much you're listening to your body because you are, but you're going the heck with you. I'm going to keep pushing <laughs> through this. Yeah, <laughs> I do that. Uh. My professor says if you're not hurting, you're not doing jujitsu. So. You know, they call it the gentle art, but I think we all know. <laughs> it's not gentle. Yeah. Was there ever a time that you considered quitting? And can you talk about that? Never. Never? never. Not once? Oh, no, not even once. Wow. No, I like it too much. I'm having too much fun. <laughs> it's great. Have you always had this kind of mindset, you know, ever since you were a little girl? I think I have. I was in elementary school. I was out wrestling the boys on the playground in the second grade when all the other little girls were standing under the trees. Hmm. <laughs> just I, That's just who I am, I guess. What about in terms of just like quitting things? Oh, no, I like a challenge. I've always ridden horses that were difficult. Can you talk about a time or times that you, within your training and your progression, where, where you saw progression in yourself, or you witnessed something really cool, or, you know, you learned something, you're like, you know, hey, I can, I can do this, or I enjoy this? It seems a slow progress for me. 
I don't learn easily. I video the classes so I can go home and watch them. But I've noticed lately when I go back and watch videos, I go, I'm actually doing that correct. I did it right. So that's always a plus for me. And my professor encourages me, you know, that I'm, I'm getting better. I'm learning. I don't want to stand still. I mm-hmm. want to do better. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just be on the mat. I want to be a competitor and not just the little old lady. When did you start studying tape? From the very first. Well, because when I walked out of class, I would go, what did we just do? Mm-hmm. That's not good. That's not good. I started videoing on my phone so I could watch it later. The drills. I haven't been formally diagnosed, but I sometimes think I have attention deficit disorder because uh, I'm one of those guys I read a paragraph and, geez, I forgot the paragraph or something like that, <laughs> let alone jujitsu, correct? I mean, there's so much information. And do you find yourself going through that as well? Like, this is information overload? It is. Sometimes I'm watching the drills going, after the fifth step, they've lost me. I'm following past three or four or five steps if it's a long drill. That's hard. That's why I video. <laughs> Do you find that your training partners are really patient with you and they'll help you along? Like, I got it to hear, but I don't remember the next feasts or something like that. Yeah, they've been really great. No matter who they are, the people at my gym are wonderful. And we're, we're working through this together. A lot of times they don't remember either. <laughs> so, you know, we're watching the other guys that we think might know what they're doing. Oh, okay. That's what, or we ask the professor. You know, he'll, he wanders around and we'll say, professor, we're not sure we're doing this right. That's great to have that supportive community around there. How did it change prior to COVID and after, you know, where we are now in terms of training? Well, we did Zoom classes when we were locked down up here for two months or so, but they opened the gym in June. So I went back to the gym. People came back slowly and I think there are still people that have not come back for a lot of reasons, health reasons, or just they're concerned about it. I'm not a worrier. I'm happy to be back in the gym. So do you find the academy is growing again? I've seen a lot of new white belts, men, which is really good. Elaine, I know that you've competed quite a bit, it looks like. Can you talk about your your competitions? The first competition I went to was the World Masters when I was 70. And the professor pretty much told me in class one day that he was taking me to Las Vegas. And I went, I'm I'm not even a blue belt yet. And he said, well, you will be. By the time you get there. So I, had, I was a brand new blue belt when I did my first competition at the wow. World Masters. And I had four fights in 70 minutes. I won one. I lost one. I tied two. But oh, still, wow. I got four medals. So I was happy That's incredible. That. That's amazing. But, so can you talk about your mindset? What was it like your first competition from stepping in that door at the uh, tournament? And what was going through your head and your body? I'm not a particularly, I don't worry about things over much. I was a little nervous, but I was more concerned that I'd be where I was supposed to be when I was supposed to be. And mm. the problem I had, somebody told me to take two geese. So I had on a blue gee, but I had a white gee with me. And mm-hmm. the blue gee, the arms were too short. Mm. They didn't qualify. So I had to change in the middle of the gym. I took off the blue gee and put on the white one so they would let me compete. Wow. So, so logistics then were yeah, the biggest yeah. concern. That's right. I wow. tend to be a detail person. So details yeah, yeah. are important to me. During that first competition, what was going through your head? You know, once I, I was nervous until I stepped on the mat. Once I stepped on the mat, I was in fighting mode. I wasn't nervous anymore. Just do the best I could do. It was really fun. And that's the only, I think it was the, the third of the four matches is the one I won. And she was a... Um, she was ranked number one in the world. I think she still is. Wow. But I managed to trip her with a judo throw, 
a sweep. That professor was yelling at me, sweep her, Elaine, and I did, and she went down. When I got on top of her, I did not let her up. Yes. <laughs> when I won, it may be the only one I ever win. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Then that judo did pay off. All right, note to self, take some judo classes. Do you even have a preference in terms of how you're coached during competition? Because I know some competitors enjoy their instructors yelling like, hey, Elaine, you know, do this, do that. Or you don't want to give the, the secrets away to the opponent or something like that. No, I want Khalifa to yell at anything he wants to yell at me. I'm good with just yell. I can't always do what he says, but I try. Wow, you sound like a fantastic student and a competitor for, for a coach. Very coachable. I try to be, but this last competition was very frustrating for me because we had practiced. We knew she was going to pull guard. We'd practice it, Professor and I, quite a bit as to what I was supposed to do. We had four or so things. I didn't do any of them right. None of them. I was so mad. I messed it up. <laughs> Did you relive that? Like the, the that night or in your sleep? Absolutely. Or? Hmm. Sure. Why did I do this? Why didn't I do that? Just hmm. I do that on all the competitions. Did you train that afterwards then? Were you like, all right, we're going we're gonna to practice this and that and this because I just didn't Absolutely. pull the trigger when or I, something like that? When I'm back to, to taking the advanced classes and we're actually rolling with each other more, we'll be, I'll ask my partner to pull guard so I can work on that. Hmm. I have a, several boys in the class that help me a lot, teenage boys. Mm -hmm. So I'll go find one of them and say, okay, Jordan. I need some help with this, and he'll help me. Oh, wow. You just so you... do it over and over again. When I'm rolling, especially with the guys, if I do something wrong, Jordan will say, no, you should have done this. So I mm. said, okay, let's back up and start again. So that really is, that's very helpful. So they coach me too. Even the teenage boys do. So you're getting that muscle memory? Yes, uh -huh. muscle mm. memory. Obviously, this sounds very mentally stimulating, right? I mean, I find it all very <laughs> mentally stimulating. Do you, do you find it the same way? Absolutely. And it's good at my age to be doing something that physical and mental at the mm -hmm. same time. It's a lot of problem solving and mm. muscle stuff. It's, it's great for me at my age, especially. You've been to so many really big competitions, it seems like. Are there any competitors that you enjoy watching? I did get to see one of my professors fight in Birmingham, which was fascinating. He's a black belt, Professor mm -hmm. Pedro, and it was, it was totally fascinating. But at the competitions, these days especially, you have to go in and go out. You don't really get to watch much. So I didn't get to uh, see anybody else in the Pan American Games much. So can you just recap the different competitions that you, for the listeners and, and viewers out there, that you've competed in? Okay. After the world competition, they had IBJJF did one in Birmingham, a tournament in Birmingham. And I fought a girl that was probably in her early 40s. <laughs> I got killed. Oh but gosh. I fought her twice. And then one of my teammates also bow and arrowed me. <laughs> so, so I got to that competition with those girls. And then I went to Mississippi uh, and fought a girl that was probably in her uh, late 30s. Ooh, and she was five foot six and outweighed me by about 20 pounds. It did not last long. I fought her twice, but I managed maybe a minute and a half or two <laughs> minutes into it before she got me. And I, my professor was not happy with that. He said I really should not be fighting girls that much younger than me, you know, because yeah. it's just there's no way to be competitive if 
I just try to hang in as best I can. Right, right. And of course, the girl I fought at the Pan Ams, I had to go up two weight classes to get her. Mm. So she outweighed me by 25 pounds. Oh, and my she was gosh. Nine years younger. Mm. Uh, but I did last the full five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not well, but I did. They so busted the- <laughs> my lip. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was choking me from behind, and I had ducked my head so she couldn't get onto my neck. And yeah, the pressure can. busted my lip. Oof. So they stopped the fight, cleaned the blood off my hands and face, and we just started again. How I discovered you via the highlights was the PANS, right? It was uh, this year's Pan American Games, which was a, a massive, huge tournament with giant names in the sport. And oh, yeah. there were these, these highlights, and then suddenly you're one of the highlights. Suddenly that's coming up everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And you became one of the stars of the tournament, and you and your competitor, I should say, to be respectful. And I went through, and I'm like, wow. And I, I became really fascinated. You know, I saw Cyborg, you know, that guy down there. I wow. Just for his autograph. But he has messaged me a little bit, which was exciting. And I got my picture taken with Kendall, who's won Worlds, what, seven times or something. She looks so sweet until you get her on the mat. <laughs> yeah, and then she's fantastic. Yeah, a monster. <laughs> what was that experience like, being around all those, you know, stars? I was very excited about that. I really felt good. But I didn't get to stay very long because you, you could only stay about two hours. You had to come yeah. in a few hours, you know. And so I came in and... Everybody was stopping me because they recognized me, I guess, on Instagram. So, which mm. was was interesting for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm new friends. What is that like having all this? What notoriety you have now? It is honestly like having an alter ego. I've got me over here, who's just really nothing special at all, just a little grandmother. And then there's this alter ego that's jujitsu grandma that people from all over the world call and talk to me and send me messages and want pictures with. It's strange is it (laughs) but it's just like having two different people almost for me wow you said it's literally people all over the world yeah when i was at the worlds i mean we had people from venezuela come up to us and people from russia (laughs) australia in my own country i don't think they know me that well but in in brazil and out over in the other europe and all they do because of instagram i guess yeah, I saw you got a lot of news footage too, news stories and coverage and things like that, right? Honestly, it baffles me, truly. You know, pursuing a sport, I'm not even good at. <laughs> and uh, I guess because of my age, you know, mm. it makes it more interesting to people. Mm. But I don't want it to be just about my age. I want to be good at this. At yeah. least the best I can be. Right, right. You know, my age and size, and I'm little, and I'm not very big. What class do you compete in? Well, I weigh 110 pounds, so I'm Master 7 Featherlight. That's uh, from 118 to 118 or something like that. Not many girls that my age or close to my age that are my size, too. How does your family and friends, how do they take this all this in, and what's their feedback? Well, my husband knows me very well, so he's been perfectly happy with me doing this. He goes to all the tournaments and cheers wow. me on. Wow. He's He's been great. My kids were a little nervous about it, but they said, hey, our mother has never been normal. So that's, <laughs> and kids think it's sort of cool. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Our friends think I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so when you get any um, BJJ sort of injuries, related injuries, are they like concerned and, and do they say, hey, you know, maybe this isn't for you, for you or anything like that? No, my orthopedic doctor told me that if I get arm barred, 
I needed to tap out early because I have arthritis in my shoulder and neck. Mm-hmm. That's the only advice I got from that orthopedic guy. And my the other one that I saw is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. So he's been very helpful with me. I try not to let injuries slow me down unless they just have to. I'm forced to back up. I see the chiropractor a lot. <laughs> I know in one of the articles I read that something about a hematoma on the shin. That was in judo class. I was trying to kick somebody and she blocked with her knee and we heard it thump. We were videoing it, my husband was, and you can hear this thump on it. And um, she said, that's going to hurt. And I just, I didn't think about it. I went to jujitsu class right after that Mm. and somebody bumped the leg. I couldn't see it because it was under my pants leg. And Mm. I went, ooh. So when I looked at it, it had swollen up like an egg and they had to surgically remove it. But that was judo related technically, right? (laughs) Technically, yes. Okay, so it was an impact. Okay. It was an impact. It wasn't absorbing quick enough, and I had a tournament in Birmingham I wanted to go to, and it was too sore to be able to fight. So I just asked the surgeon to cut it open and get Mm -hmm. it out. Wow. Okay. (laughs) What do you enjoy? Like, what positions, techniques? Well, I do prefer being on top because I I get squashed easy. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) I have to work on that bottom game because I'm not, you know, I'm so small. Actually, all of it is fascinating for me. Every mm. bit of it. I like the throws and my professor teach a lot of throws in jujitsu because wow. he does judo too. And he teaches some self-defense things, mm. which is really helpful, you know, for women. I have passed mm. that on to some of my friends, you know, just to let them give them some hint as to what they need to do. I always like to ask, too, how did you learn to tie your belt? That is quite the thing. I spent a lot of time learning to tie my belt, and now my office manager has showed me a new way to do it, so I've been trying to learn that, because it doesn't oh. come untied when I tie it the way he ties his. Ah. Working on, on <laughs> it's, it's a puzzle. Isn't it, though? Oh, yes. So that the, the way that doesn't become untied, I always call that like the fancy way. To, I still can't. I don't know how to do that, too. <laughs> sort of over and under and around and through. And then I go, where did I go from here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to watch a YouTube video to even learn how to do it, right? I was mortified, actually, going into my first days of, of jujitsu because, just because of the silly belt tying. <laughs> That's right. That, you're mm-hmm. exactly right. And mm. I'm not, I can't pull mine real tight. The professor yeah. comes around and yanks my belt. Yanks it. Make, yeah. That's good. <laughs> so I'm curious at your academy too, what are the rule sets uh, in terms of, is there bowing on and off of the class? Are you guys lining up by belt ranks and do yes. the, yes. can you expand on the, that kind of stuff? How does it work at your academy? Professor Khalifa runs a very, what I call a very tight gym. Hmm. There's no profanity. There's no, you know, nobody's being rude or ugly. The thing is, don't hurt the girls. And of course, we do your regular, you know, we line up by belt rank and uh, mm. bow on and off. But he expects good behavior from mm. everybody or else mm. you're not there. And that mm. makes it easy for the girls, especially to be in, in class with the guys. We don't have to worry about that. And it's they don't really, um, I usually pair up with the girl when we're drilling. But once we start fighting, it can be just anybody who shows up. I'm not afraid to fight anybody. I'm good with it. Yeah. <laughs> What are your future plans with this? Do you have any near-term sort of goals or tournaments or anything you got your eye on? Or 
Well, I'm hoping that they're going to do the World Masters in Orlando in December, hopefully not the week before Christmas. So we're waiting to hear what, what date it'll be. We'll go down there. I wanted to go to Foley, which is Foley, Alabama, in Atlanta, Georgia, but they didn't do Master 7. And my mm. coach wanted me to be just in that one to get points for the world. So I personally would rather just go fight whoever's there. But that doesn't mm -hmm. help me if I back down to a Master 6 or 5 or 4. It doesn't mm -hmm. help me with points. I don't know why, but it doesn't. But I think the world, there, there'll be people there in, my, in Master 7. Like okay. I'm third in the world, <laughs> just because yeah. there's not many people in Master 7. Mm -hmm. But he was hoping I might move up to that second place. But unless they put in Master 7s, I can't. Well, hopefully I can get to Master 7 so we can uh, compete with each other. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there are a lot of older people than me in jiu-jitsu. It's just they've done it 30 years. You know, right. you got well, brown and black belts in that Master 7 thing. And my professor said I'll be a black belt by the time I'm 80. And I'm going, I don't think I'm 80. <laughs> 80. Oh, come on. Let's think positive here. Come on, Elaine. My goal will be purple. I would really like in the next few years to manage to be purple, but I want to earn it. Right, 100%. I, I don't want them to give me a purple belt. Yeah, that's how I feel about myself as well. That's a good mindset to have. So are you seeing that there are enough female Master 7s in terms of the higher belts, like you mentioned, brown and black? I think there are, yes. Hmm. Right now, I know of maybe three or four other Master 7 blue belts. There's not hmm. too many of them. Or they haven't shown up at tournaments. Could mm -hmm. be. They're just maybe not competing. What no. about white belts? Not a Master 7, no. Nobody mm. wants to start that late. <laughs> Except me. My professor says he thinks I'm the oldest person to ever start jiu-jitsu at 69 when I started. <laughs> what are your other interests outside of jiu-jitsu? We mentioned horses and touched on a farm. I have a horse that I trail ride. And I do um, work for an animal rescue. So we have oh, wow. foster dogs on the farm uh, that we see to every day. And I help them with adoptions and paperwork that, you know, fostering, doing that sort of thing. Oh, In fact, wonderful. we've got one being adopted tomorrow. Yay! <laughs> Most of my dogs are foster failures. They came here as foster dogs and some of them just could not be adopted for whatever reason. So I wound up keeping them. Yeah, that sounds like really fulfilling work and a lot of fun. Yes, yes, it is. How did you find the Academy? I was actually at a, um, an adoption event for my foster dog at PetSmart. And a girl walked in with a gi on and I said, you do martial arts? And she said, yes, I do jujitsu. And I said, well, I like judo myself. She said, well, they teach judo at my gym. And I went, what gym? She said, just right down the street. So she gave me the gym of Khalifa's gym. And that's how I found it. Wow. I just down there and asked them if they'd let me come. How soon after did you uh, actually show up? Oh, I think I found out right before Christmas and I showed up in, or right after Christmas, I showed up the first of February. Curious how your instructor felt. Like you said, he was like, when you came in. <laughs> I was standing in line with like four or five teenage boys on one side and four or five guys that looked like they played for the NFL on the other <laughs> side and me in the middle. And he kept saying, don't throw her, don't throw her. And I went, I'm fine. Finally, he would say, well, you can throw her, but carefully. But once he figured that I was, I liked that fighting, I was good. I was curious how that relationship developed to it is now, you know. 
he was excited that I was there, but also so nervous, especially judo. Judo's really hard yes. on the person. Yes. So he was anxious that I maybe move to jujitsu also. Mm. Even though I still take judo classes, when he offers them, I'm in the class with him. I, so you're still that. practicing judo? When they, they haven't picked it back up since the COVID, since June, ah, but I think right. they will, I hope. And you intend to, to go back, then it sounds like, wow. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's fascinating what a passion you have for judo as well. <laughs> I just can't get anywhere in judo. I, in jiu-jitsu, I can go up, but judo, probably not. But it still helps jiu-jitsu. So again, then, I'm curious, what is it about jiu-jitsu then that sort of gets your, tickles your fancy? You know, I just, I like the physical fighting part of it. I, I guess because I did it so much with my brothers yeah. that it's just really, I didn't realize I was so competitive. And I, in that particular way, I really didn't know I was that much of a physical fighter, but I guess I am. I like boxing too. I'll take Jeez. a few boxing lessons. <laughs> so you said you enjoy playing top in jujitsu. When you play top, where are you sort of going? Well, you want to get passed into side control and neon belly and on top, which is what won the world's for, that a match for me is that I managed to not only throw her, but I managed to get on top. So that, of course, that's always what you're aiming for. Not what you get is something else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do the best I can. I stuck my foot in somebody's face last Monday night. <laughs> Same. <away> <laughs> I like chokes myself. I, I would, I'm inclined to go for a choke because that's probably would be the easiest for me. And I'm mean enough to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I, I find I don't have that killer instinct. I'm, I'm too much of the nice guy, you know. Uh, you know, I am until I get on that mat, then I'm not anymore. I'm a very easygoing person. Nothing ever bothers me. I don't worry about anything. But on that mat, mm, yeah. On the mats, do you, do you find it therapeutic in a way? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, I smile through all my matches. If you mm. watch me, yeah, I'm smiling that. through all of it. And one of my competitors said to me, well, she's smiling, but she's growling at me, too. <laughs> <laughs> when I internalize that as well, like during training and stuff, I'm, I'm constantly getting smashed. But when I get up and we reset, I'm smiling. I'm having so much fun, even though, you know, I'm... <laughs> I'm far away from, far, I'm not the best at all. I've, no. <laughs> how do you process that, you know, knowing that you're not going to be the best at the academy and that you're not going to even be second place, you know, even myself. I'm sort of speaking for myself here as well. How do, how do you handle that? You know, there are very few people that are going to be world-class in jiu-jitsu, mm -hmm. a handfuls or so. Mm -hmm. The rest of us are just doing the best we can. If you think you're going to be at the top, you're probably not going to be. It's the process. It's a journey. I like the journey. No matter where it takes me, no matter how slow or how fast I get there, it's the journey. And I think anybody who starts jiu-jitsu needs to look at it that way. Not as I'm headed to be number one in the world. It's You've got to go through that journey. It sounds like it's also inch by inch, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I've, uh... Especially for me. Even positionally, sometimes I'll get maybe from the feet to the knees, you know, if I'm on top, and then I lose everything and I get swept or something like that. Then the next day, it's maybe I get to the waist, you know, then I'm swept again, you know. Do you feel oftentimes that it's like that progression is like that as well each day and each week Absolutely. and month? Absolutely. Some days I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. I'm going backwards. But the professor tells me I'm not. You know, I guess the more you do it, the more you expect of yourself. Other people may see you doing better than you see yourself. Mm -hmm. better. 
This sort of goes back to the quitting question too. When when you feel and you identify, like you just said, I'm sliding backwards or you feel like you are. Does it help when the coach comes to you and says, you know, you're doing better or some, does that help you sort of process things? And how are you dealing with that mentally? It does help me, but I find I don't really, um, it's nice to hear that from the coach, but Mm -hmm. I don't need that to continue because I'm too hard headed to quit. (laughs) I had one match, the match in Birmingham, the referee stopped one of the matches because he was afraid the girl was going to break my arm and I wouldn't tap. And Mm -hmm. He stopped the match and I went, why did you stop? And he said, because you wouldn't tap and you needed to, she's going to break your arm. You know, it's just that sort of mentality that says, I'm not going to give it up. Do you find that that transitions into regular life as well? Only probably as it affects maybe my horseback riding. Hmm. You know, the horse is is really uh, acting up really bad. I'm not going to get off. I'm Mm going to hang in there and say, you're going to have to stay. I'm going to stay with him. If he's being really horrible, he's 1,400 pounds. He's a big boy. Mm-hmm. And he does get excited sometimes, overexcited. So wow. only in that sort of situation, as far as my, my personal life goes, I'm, I'm fairly easy going about things. I'll mm-hmm. let things ride or slide if I need. How about like during like the work years in terms of business or school or that type of thing too? Has it always been like a persistence sort of thing? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't work too long before I started having children and I stayed home with my kids. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much played with my kids growing up. We had a great time. I enjoyed them as little kids. I enjoyed them as teenagers. I only had one rule in my home and it was mm-hmm. you can do anything you want as long as it's not illegal, immoral, or dangerous. But being rude to your mother is dangerous. So that was <laughs> it. I was home. And so we really we had a good time. Those are fantastic tenets to live by. Those are great rules. I'm going to have to write that down later. How many grandchildren do you have? I have seven grandchildren. Now, I've made a different rule for the grandkids. I'll admit. The rule for the grandkids is there are no rules. You can do whatever you want. That's, that's, that's it. That <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sounds like my mom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, darn you grandmas. Okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you see kids at your academy? And are they enjoying it? They started at four years old. Amazing. They're, they're so cute. Oh, I love it. They have a very good kids program. Very good. Do you ever have that fantasy in your head? Boy, I wish I would have started this when I was a teenager or a 20-year-old or something. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Don't we all, right? But, you know, it would have been hard trying to juggle a family and Mm. get to the classes at night. It's easy for me now because I don't have anything else to do. Elaine, thanks so much for your time. If people want to get a hold of you, where can they get more information about you and uh, what you're up to? Well, my grandchildren tell me that you can Google Jiu-Jitsu Grandma and see a variety of things. I did not know that. I'm on Instagram under Jiu-Jitsu Grandma. Follow me or watch my post. I do a lot of posts on uh, of practices, you know, rolling at the gym and competitions. So that's been fun for me. Just to clarify out there, it's jujitsu underscore grandma. I'm sure it'll come up for you all if you uh, search for jujitsu grandma. And thank you for all those posts. It's really fun to watch. It's very cool. Please keep updating it. It's a very cool stuff and a very inspirational story. And thank you for continuing to practice and, and being a, um, a reluctant, maybe, or un, unbeknownst to you, a role model for so many people out there. And keep on keeping on. Thank you so much. I will do it. Thank you. All right, everyone, I am Adolfo Ferranda at Forever White Belt Show on Instagram. Check us out on our podcast page on anchor.fm or just Google Forever White Belt. Also, we, we come up and everything. So thank you, everyone, for watching and listening again. And thank you so much for your time, Elaine. We really appreciate it. Nice to do it. Thanks, everyone.